Have you got enough signal? Yeah. Any signal? Yeah. Wisdom, I'm all good. Neither of the sporting teams that I was part of was necessarily, you know, 
that because of my amazing sporting ability, it's fair to say that when we were at school, and you know you had PE lessons, and you came to where you played football, and, and the two kids who were really good at football were the team captain, captains, and they kind of alternate and choose people who they wanted to be on their team. It, it's fair to say I'm done any of the business end of the, uh, of the choosing. But this morning, and get yourself ready for a tenuous thing, this morning, <laughs> this morning I want to talk about being part of the greatest team in the world. Because you know what? For me and for you and for each and every one of us here this morning, God wants us to be part of his team. God wants us and chooses us to be part of his team. And we're going to look at that and explore that a little bit more this morning. This is part of our series that we've been doing for the past few weeks called The Italian Job, based in Acts chapter 10. And uh, this morning I'm going to read a few verses from Acts chapter 10. I'm going to start at verse 30. The words that are going to appear here on the screen. So Acts chapter 10, verses 30 to 33. And Cornelius says, this is Cornelius talking to Peter. Cornelius says, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God, to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Let's pray together together. Well, Father, I want to thank you for this immense privilege of being chosen by you. This morning, Lord, as we look at your word, as we consider the events that we read about in this chapter, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand the, our part to play in your great team. And, Lord, that you would help us to say yes to that, and yes, to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. I'm going to need a little bit of help from you this morning. You're going to kind of carry on this team theme, and uh, it's very much a, a sort of team message and preach this morning, so I'm going to need quite a few volunteers. So, um, this has been a fantastic series. Uh, I think Harris was saying last week, yeah, when we first started planning this back in February, I think it was, we identified you know, uh, three messages from Acts 10. Well, we're already on number five, and, uh, and you know, there's one or two more to come still. So it's just been fantastic. And it started, Ben started it off a few weeks ago by talking about Cornelius. And uh, I wonder if I can have a volunteer to come here on the stage and play the part of Cornelius for us. <laughs> Great, thanks. <laughs> Fantastic, thanks. So, this is Cornelius, who, as Ben spoke about, he, is, he was an unlikely candidate, wasn't he? But he had a great character. 
and burdens. And then Harris spoke about Peter. Now, I wonder whether I can somebody to play a part of Peter. Fantastic, we've got Jared here. So, Jared, standing on my left. And Harris uh, spoke about Peter and about how he you know, had to uh, change his thinking and his expectation and the, kind of the things that he brought from his past. So, we've got Cornelius and we've got Peter. Just so you can distinguish the two, I've got some, some props here. So, Cornelius, he was a centurion, he was a, a Roman soldier. And uh, so I've got a sword for you. Neither gave you an abacus because you were a centurion, but I thought I think a sword would be helpful. And uh, so Peter is the apostle, leader of the, the church, you know, a teacher of the word. Fantastic. So we've got Cornelius and we've got Peter. And in many ways, they are the, you know, it feels like they're the main characters from this chapter. But actually, there's, there's other people involved. So, for example, our, our story st starts with Cornelius and him. You know, we read that he's a devout man and he prays and he gives. And then an angel appears to him. So, can I have an angel, please? <laughs> <laughs> so, this thing I've got prop for you because angels are super cool. Well, they are, aren't they? Angels are cool. If you were a party and an angel arrived, you, you'd be there chatting. It's an angel! You know, you, they, you know, hang around talking about somebody like <laughs> So, an angel appears to Cornelius and tells him that there is a man called... This is great. Okay, the love part. And tells him that there is a, a, a fact, the Apostle Peter, and that he... Uh, Peter's got a message for him. So Cornelius sends two servants and a soldier. Can I have two servants and a soldier, please? <laughs> Fantastic, thank you. We've got we've got two two servants, but right. So uh, <laughs> there you go. So uh, servants, uh, there we go. So this is to help you remember. There we go. So we've got our servants and uh, we've got some rubber gloves there to help people learning the servants. And I, I only have Don't stop cleaning, so then you're going to have to clean the whole estate. I'm not sure if it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like being a kid's you know, sometimes I wonder when my entire preaching career is just like a rehearsal for the generation game. <laughs> so we've got two servants and a soldier, and Cornelius sends them to Peter. And Peter says, Pictured in terms of water or wind, so um, 
can have a fan. And the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter and tells him that he needs to go to Cornelius and tell Peter with his church. We have like three people maybe to be the, the believers from uh, the Joppa that Peter speaks to. Not any inundated. So, it's a bit of maybe you're making notes, you're hanging on every single word. I never can live here. And so, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter, and so Peter and the believers travel to. They travel and they go to speak to Cornelius, who by now has gathered his friends and his family. Can we, can we have some friends and family for Cornelius? Fantastic! This is awesome! So Peter comes to Cornelius and his friends and his family and he preaches about Jesus. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit comes on them and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit and it is amazing and it's beautiful fantastic so look at this isn't this great so I bet when you first read Acts chapter 10 you thought okay it's, it's just about Cornelius or maybe it's about Cornelius and it's about Peter but here we have, you know, a cast off, well not thousands, but there's quite a lot of people here. There's a lot going on, isn't there? There's a lot of people involved. You know, often I say that kind of what happens in the in the hall is more important than what happens on the stage, but I think we've got about a 50-50 mix here this morning. This is great. But you can look at, at all these people here and kind of think, well, is this really necessary? Because ostensibly what this is about is, you know, one guy, Cornelius, becoming a Christian, you know, becoming a follower of Jesus, understanding how he can have a personal relationship with God. And it kind of ultimately comes about when the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And so you can look at this and you can think, well, actually, if the Holy Spirit is going to come on him, do we really need the angel, the servants, the soldiers, the apostle, the church? Do you know, is it really necessary? Oh, look, we've got, cat, we've got a cast list going up there. Look at all these people. Fantastic. <laughs> and on one hand, all these people, it's not necessary, is it? Because God could just do it like that. But actually, all of these people are needed. Because this expresses something about how. God works. Because actually this isn't just about Cornelius, is it? Because Peter learns something, because the church understands something, because those servants and those soldiers are, are involved as well. That it kind of feels like they're part of the process, but through that God is making progress in their lives. There's something here about the way in which God works and how he works in a team. And I don't know whether you've ever kind of been there and you thought, well, you know, oh, I felt like maybe God's kind of calling you to, to go and do something, whether that's you sort of read it in the Bible or you 
could be prompted by a leader or by the Holy Spirit when you're being prayed. Or you just know, this is the right thing to do. I should go and tell this person about Jesus. I should go and say something to encourage this person. And, and maybe you think, all right, it's awkward. I'm not sure what to, to do this. And have you ever been there and you've prayed that prayer? Lord, could you just send an angel to do it? Could you just send an angel? But what this teaches us is sometimes God does send an angel, but you still need a centurion, two servants, a soldier, an apostle, the church, and the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you, you know you could have been one of those servants and think, oh, I've got to go all the way there. Lord, could you just send someone else? Well, God did send someone else, didn't he? He sent another servant and a soldier, and not to mention all the other people. Oh, have you ever been there and you've kind of seen something and you think, oh, I'd love to see God break out of this person's life. I feel like, oh, I've got a message and I can encourage them, but oh, Holy Spirit, will you just come on then? And it's just like, well, you know, look at this. The Holy Spirit came on Cornelius, but he's still involved an angel, two servants, a soldier, an apostle, and the church with Joppa. And it says something about how God works in team. But so often it's not just about one person, but there is this process involving a big, long cast of people. And when I think about my own life, you know, I've had the privilege of helping a number of people put their faith in Jesus, come to know him and have a personal relationship with God. It's such an honour, such a privilege. But most of the time, I'm not the first person to talk to them about Jesus. You know, so many people who I've helped make a commitment to God, you know, they had some sort of influence, maybe they went to church as a child, or, you know, they, they had as a friend at school, or they kind of remember reading this thing. But there's all these different influences. And actually, I just come along as the, the sort of final point of it. I think about, you know, my when I became a Christian, I became a Christian when I was at university, towards the end of my first year. And on the one hand, you could say, well, the preacher made an invitation, and I, you know, eventually and somewhat reluctantly made a response. But actually, there was also my friend who had invited me to church. And, uh, and she was only my friend because uh, one of my housemates was on a course with her and introduced us. And actually, one of the things that really struck me when I became a Christian was, you know, my parents brought me to church when I was a child, and, and sort of recognising this must have been the culmination of all their effort and all their prayers, and I kind of think about the, the teachers I knew who were Christians, and ultimately what, what kind of got me across the line was the conviction of the Holy Spirit that came on my life. But actually, for, for most of us, there are, there are kind of a number of stages involved. And I suppose the point here is, we should never think, well, I've got nothing to contribute, that I've got nothing to bring to the party. Because actually even, you know, a, a word of encouragement, just even a, 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 something that seems small, can be really significant. It's really important that we don't think, well, do you know what, my tithe doesn't make a difference. Well, it makes a difference. It makes a difference to you. Makes a difference to God, it makes a difference to the church. You know, that, that word of encouragement, well, does it really make a difference? It matters. It matters. You might think all these stages are not necessary, but God says this is needed. I'm going to let you all sit down and thank you very much for uh, your. And you know what, put all of those uh,
stages and those different groups of people. We can you know, speak a word on each one of them. But I think we've already doubled the length of this uh, of this estimate. We're going to spend another 10 weeks looking at the angels and the Holy Spirit and things like that. But I do want to talk about, um, about two people, two of those characters in this account that I think help us to uh, participate and understand something of our role in God's team. And I want to talk about the servant and the soldier. The servant and the soldier. Because I think these two jobs, uh, they certainly they speak to me about an important way in which we participate in God's greatest team in the world. And the first one is, is the way in which God calls us to be servants. You know, the Bible uses a number of different ways of describing uh, believers, describing Christians. One of them is a servant. And actually, the, the, so many of the, the apostles and writers of the New Testament use the word to describe themselves. Like the Apostle Paul, possibly one of the greatest Christian leaders in history, talks about himself as a, a servant of God, or a servant of Jesus servant of the gospel, a servant of the church. It's a word that he uses a lot. And actually that shouldn't be a surprise because it's a word that Jesus himself used of himself. In Mark chapter 10 verse 45, Jesus said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. And so there is something about being a Christian that is a call to be a servant. It's a, uh, to expend our efforts and our energy on others. And in the, in the New Testament, the word is, uh, sometimes it's translated as servant, and sometimes it's translated as minister. So there's something about ministering to people that requires us to be a servant. It's also strongly linked to the word for worship. So to be a servant is a response to people, and to be a response to God. So, Part of participating in God's greatest plan is having the attitude of a servant, thinking not about our own needs, but about the needs of others. I spoke about uh, my children when I'm getting involved in sporting activities before you know, if you ever watch schoolboy football, then you know where the ball is, don't you? Because it's it's in the middle of all the players who are on the pitch. Because there's something about children when they start playing football, they just think about me and about the ball. And they just all gravitate to the ball, you know, they're just all of them going. Unless they kind of grow up a little bit and they understand the game, they realise, well, it's not just about me and the ball, but there's other people on my team. And maybe I don't have to get the ball, I need to be somewhere else so someone can pass it to me. Maybe I don't need to score the goal, then I need to pass it to the person who can score the goal. And there's something about being a servant which is not just thinking about ourselves, but thinking about other people. And um, one of my goals for this year, the start of the year, is thinking about my goals for the year. One of my goals for this year is to be, um, I suppose, more generous, um, but specifically about kind of more generous with my time, not giving out sweets and things like that. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I really uh, enjoy and value a uh, bit of kind of space without other people sometimes, a bit of solitude, I like that. And I work in an open plan office, an enormous open plan office, and uh, I have a family and I have two children. So solitude is quite a rare commodity in my life. 
And there is a temptation when I have a you know free evening. Just think, what a free evening. Shut the door, you know, going to lock myself away. And I suppose one of the things that I've been sort of trying to change is that mentality where I think, actually, you know, I've got a free evening. How can I use this? How can I invest this in other people? How can I, you know, invest it in the guys in my city? How can I do something that will bless my family with this rather than just thinking about for me. Do you know, one of the things that I've learned through that is, actually, even if I, you know, uh, are kind of expending energy for other people, it's something really satisfying and something really refreshing, and it does me good when I do this. And this shouldn't be a surprise because, you know, the Bible tells us to do the will of God is the very best thing that we can do with our lives. It is, it's good, it's pleasing, it is perfect, it is entirely satisfying. And cannot be improved upon. And so then I kind of feel like actually there's something, even though you know, the, the idea of being a servant makes it sound like oh, it's hard work and it's you know a sacrifice, there is something really refreshing in it. And so you can look at you know, all those people that are up on the stage there, and trust me, well, if God has angels at his disposal, if he can send his Holy Spirit. Does he really need me? You know, am I really necessary? But God, in his great heart of love, loves to involve his children in what he's about, in the things that he is passionate about, like touching people's lives. And it's just part of God's very best for us, that God loves to work through us. Actually, we could, very often, and that's kind of where I want to bring in that, that second character, the idea of a soldier. Because doing the, the will and the call of God requires us to serve, us, requires us to think about others and not ourselves. But there's a recognition that actually there is a spiritual battle. Whenever we try to do something for God that brings him glory, that brings him pleasure, that is somehow right and true and just, there is opposition. There is opposition from the devil who is opposed to the hard plan of God. There is opposition from the world around us and the system of the world which is opposed to God's truth and God's ways. We feel that. We feel the influence. And there's opposition even within ourselves and that simple nature that kind of wants to do what, what we like to do and craves comfort rather than necessarily doing the right thing. And, and all these kind of things are working against us, which is why we need to be soldiers as well as servants. We need to pray, we need to declare the truth, we need to confess, we need to visualise, we need to really engage with the spiritual battle. And these two pictures of servants and soldiers express something of how we participate in God's greatest team in the world. So this morning, as I was preparing to share this message, I was you know, thinking about um, you know, what, what can I say and how's the best way to say and what are the things that communicate. I was, I was working, I was doing that servant role, I was putting myself out to share a message to build us as a church. And I recognise that, you know, that kind of, that bit about my sermon, well, that affects what I can say. But 
That's not actually the most important thing. The most important thing is not what I say. It's what we all hear and what we do with that. And actually, you know, for that, I needed to pray. I needed to, you know, uh, in my heart and in my mind, kind of conceive us receiving that message and responding to that message and praying that God would enable us to, to kind of understand what he wanted to say to us this morning. I needed to work as a servant and I needed to work as a soldier. And in, you know, in, in many ways, the, the kind of, it feels like the important thing with this message is what we do with it. Because it feels like, you know, it's not particularly, uh, I'm not sure I've shown you anything, any kind of hidden depth of the Bible this morning. I'm not sure I will have kind of shared much that you don't know and haven't seen already. The, the kind of important thing is not what I'm saying this morning. The important thing is our response. And whether we are willing to be part of God's great team, whether we're willing to put aside that thought that says, well, I'm no use, that I can't contribute, that I can't do that. You know, in my experience, it's not a good idea to say to God that I can't do that. Because when we say, I can't do that, what we're actually saying to God is, you can't do that, or I won't do that. And neither of that works out really well for us. That actually the responsibility is can I say yes because I'm willing to say yes, I can be a part of that team. I am willing to give my energy and my effort, and I am willing to be a servant and a worker, and I am willing to be a soldier and pray. And that's it. That's the response this morning. And, uh, and I've got a prayer that uh, so I'm going to invite us to. Pray this morning is going to come up on the, the screen here this morning. It's very simple. Pray and just says, Lord Jesus, thank you for wanting me to be a part of your team. Today, I can say yes. And I think you can pray this prayer at whatever stage you're at this morning. You know, if you're here this morning and you've never made a commitment to Jesus, you know, you've been around the edges, you've been kind of... Weighing up and saying, does God really want me? You know, could can I really uh, do this? You know, I've spoken to people, I'm not sure I can really be a Christian. I want to be, but I just don't think I've been a very good Christian. You know, if you're at that stage this morning and you've never said yes to God before, well, today you can use this prayer to say yes to God. Or maybe you said yes to Him. Maybe you're a believer here this morning, but there is this kind of tussle in your mind that makes you doubt that I just don't think that I can play a part. I don't think I can be useful to God. I don't see what I bring to the party. I can't do that. I can't be that. Today, I want to invite you to say yes to God, to just renounce that lie, that opposition, to be a soldier, and to pray, and to say no to that, and to say yes to God. Actually, you maybe you're here this morning, and there are all sorts of ways in which you are part of God's great team. Maybe you're leading a city group, maybe you're helping lead that, maybe you're a guide on life class, maybe you're serving in an area of the church. All sorts of ways in which we can participate in God's heart and His plan. But again, there's a, it's always great, isn't it, just to reaffirm that and recommit that. And you know what? I, I've learned that sometimes when we just take the time to do that, God takes us into new areas. Because when you say yes to God, 
actually we give you permission to move us to places, to do things with us, to use us in new ways. When we were praying before the start of the meeting this morning, Andrew Barry reminded us of the verse in Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, I think it was, where, where Peter, where Jesus speaks to his disciples just before he ascends to heaven. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Andrew said this sense of God wanting to send us and release us. When we say yes to God, we you know, need to be open to God doing it, God taking us at it. So I'm going to invite us to stand this morning. I'm going to give you just a moment to think about whether you want to say yes to God, whether you want to say yes to being part of his team, yes to being a servant, yes to being a soldier, willing to engage in a spiritual fight, willing to engage in a practical need, whether that's in our tithing, whether that's in our friendships, whether that's in how we use our time, whether that's in our willingness to speak the gospel to people, to serve, to be helpful in all sorts of ways. So whatever stage you're at this morning, if you're willing, let's pray the prayer together. Lord Jesus, thank you for wanting me to be part of your team. Today, I say yes. Yes, Lord, we say yes to you today. Lord, I want to pray. Thank you that you see, you hear, and you know all of those yeses. That you see all those heart responses. Lord, I want to pray that you would help us. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit now, with your grace come upon us, so that our yes remains a yes. So it, it's a, a yes that echoes throughout the rest of the day. It's a yes that remains on our lips for this week. That it's a yes, Lord God, that is just the attitude that we have when challenge comes, when accusation comes, when inconvenience comes. We choose to say yes to you in those situations and those circumstances. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you said yes this morning for the very first time to Jesus, I'd like you to come talk to me afterwards. It's a fantastic decision you made. We want to help you with what we do next. Let me encourage you as well. If you feel like you've, you've kind of been in that tussle, but this morning you, you've sort of said yes, I'm, I believe that I can be part of God's team. I would encourage you to talk to your city group leader. Like that, they can encourage you 